0: It is so good to be in God's house together today. Amen. My heart's already been warmed in worship, and uh, I trust that yours has as well as we've opened our hearts and our lives to the Lord Jesus. The Lord's got a word for you today. Do you all believe that? I do. This morning I was praying about our services and asking God to move in a powerful way and touch our lives and draw us nearer to Christ. And I pray that that happens today. That as we open our lives, that Jesus, our hearts to God, as we worship and pray and as we seek his face, as we read the word and hear it, that, that I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit of God would just do business in our lives and that we would turn from our selfishness and turn to Jesus and there find the life that God really has. For all of us. And, uh, and so today, your life can be changed for all of eternity, today, if you will turn your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Toward the end of the message today is an opportunity as the message is finished, and we pray. We're going to sing a last song, but it's an opportunity for you to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to make a decision in your life. And right where you're seated today, you can pray and say, Father in heaven, I ask you to change my life. I turn from my sin and I trust you. And God will change your life through Jesus. And so today is an opportunity for you to respond to the gospel. At the end of the service there's our ministers and pastors are will be delighted and thrilled they'll stay here at the front and would love to pray with anyone who has a prayer need or prayer concern or a decision you want to make and they would like to talk with you and pray with you at the conclusion of the service today amen amen it's so good to see the Snell children going to be baptized today and uh, that family, and how God's blessed. Several people have been making decisions. There's a baptism scheduled for next Sunday, and then the Sunday after after Easter, on the 28th, we are going to call that a, 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 a celebration service, a service filled with testimony, and I'm praying for people to be baptized on that day. As a matter of fact, some have already committed to be baptized on the 28th, If you've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism, that you, now that you are a confessing believer in Jesus Christ, I'm asking you to be baptized on that Sunday as we have a baptism service. And please let me know, one of our pastors know, call our office, tell your Sunday school teacher that you want to be baptized. And they'll be glad to talk with you about what's involved in that, and schedule you to follow the Lord in baptism. Every believer in Jesus should be baptized Amen. as a sign and symbol of your faith in Jesus Christ as a step of obedience Amen. to God. Amen? Amen? Baptism is not optional. Baptism is essential. Amen. Because if Christ is your Savior, you confess him and follow him by being baptized and living for Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, today, I invite you to open your Bible on this Palm Sunday. Why in the world do we call it Palm Sunday? Well, it comes from the scripture and the, uh, the episodes and events that took place in the last week of our Savior's life, Sunday. Prior to his crucifixion, we pick up the story and notice with me in Matthew's gospel, chapter 21, beginning with verse number one. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, where Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately You'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them. Bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble." and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt and put on put on them their cloaks. And he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut branches from the trees. And spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before them and followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? The crowd said, This is is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Amen. Today we're going to think about celebrating Jesus as king. And as we celebrate him, how can we celebrate him? As we look at the passage of scriptures, you understand that one of the ways, and I'm just going to share with you sort of the outline for today, that when we trust and believe Jesus. That's one of the ways we celebrate him as king. If you don't trust him and believe in him, you can't celebrate him as king. Secondly, when we obey the instruction of Jesus, it's not enough just to say you believe, but you must obey him. Obey him in your life, and that's how you celebrate Jesus. And others join in the celebration when you obey him. Thirdly, we celebrate Jesus when we surrender ourselves to Jesus, and when we surrender what he asks of us to him, and fourthly, when we praise him with our mouth, with our body, with all that we have, with our heart, we praise the name of Jesus. And so today, we want to think of that together. This Easter week, we're looking to Jesus, amen? We're looking to Jesus in the last days of his life. And uh, it begins with a celebration. And then during the week of that life, there's ongoing confrontation as Jesus goes into the temple uh, several days during the week and retreats back to Bethany to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It was a time of instruction with his disciples and a time of intentionality where Jesus is going to celebrate Passover with his own disciples in Jerusalem on Passover week, the city is filled with pilgrims from all over Israel and Galilee and and Judea and and uh, other other parts of the world that fill the city in anticipation of uh, a week of festivity and remembering and Passover. It's during this time that Christ is betrayed and arrested and convicted. And crucified and dies. But one week later, he rises from the dead. Amen. This week we're going to focus on that. We're going to remember him think on him and look to him, Jesus. Amen. Now the background to this story as we notice it is Jesus'. Uh, is, is coming toward Jerusalem. He's been away after the resurrection of Lazarus, who was sick and had fallen asleep, and Jesus raised him from the dead. He was close friends with Lazarus' family, with Mary and Martha, and often stayed and retreated in their home. People all around the outskirts of Jerusalem have heard of this miracle. And it's the miracle of Lazarus being raised from the dead. Scores and scores of people have come to their home in Bethany to hear the testimony of the man that once was dead but now alive and that Jesus Christ has raised him from the dead. That rumor and these miracles of Christ have spread through this part of Judea and now there's a throng of expectancy And the Sanhedrin and the religious leaders within Jerusalem are perplexed and frustrated and angry, thinking of a way to get rid of of Jesus, this troublemaker from Galilee. They desire to kill him. But the people believe that he is a, a prophet, at least, and perhaps the expected, anointed one, Messiah, that would come for all of them. Jesus comes to Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, and he is a a small village where Lazarus and Mary and Martha live, throngs and crowds of people hear that he's there, and they approach him, they cut palm branches, uh, there's expectancy, there's the, the last week of his life, and Jesus enters from the Mount of Olives, comes down that what we call the palm sunday road weaving its way through gethsemane a garden in the kidron valley and then up to go through the golden gate into the city of jerusalem there is such expectancy and jesus sends his disciples to a little village it's called bethphage it's just just across from bethany it's a small place Archaeologists have not been able to find it, and we don't know exactly where it was at. The, the name of the little village meant a, a, a place of, of uh, unripe figs, of, not, uh, of, of spoiled figs, not good figs, not, not a good place to eat figs, and so that was the name of this place, and, uh, and he sends his disciples into the, this little, no-name little village. And he said, I want you to go there and you'll find a donkey, a burrow, and it's tied up and next to it is a, a foal, a colt, a, a yearling. And no one's ridden on this donkey yet and I want you to untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone has any question about that, you tell them that the Lord has needed them. And so they bring these beasts to Jesus and when they do, the crowds have gathered all around him and they take their cloaks off and they lay them over the animals and Jesus sits on the youngest of them. The mother, the dam, rides alongside, walks alongside the colt and the colt is not broken. Never, it's, No one had ever ridden on this colt before. But the prince of peace rides on this animal, this beast of burden, and peacefully this animal walks the prince of peace toward Jerusalem. What a beautiful sight. And the people are cutting down limbs and branches, and they're waving them, and palms waving them, and they're taking off garments and throwing them on the road to make like a red carpet as the king is entering into Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And the people break out in praise and glorifying God. And they are calling him, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And by coming in the name of the Lord means I represent the Lord. The Lord's presence here among us. Hosanna, Lord, save us. Glory to God. In the highest heaven, Hosanna, please God, rescue and save. They break out into praise. And the children, when he arrives in Jerusalem, break out in praise and come into the courts and start praising him. He enters the city, and as he enters it, he prays over Jerusalem and weeps for her because of her corruption and the pending disaster that will come upon the city. The lame and the sick and the blind come to him at the temple. They were excluded from going into the temple complex because they were lame and blind and wounded and had diseases. And so, because of that, they were not allowed to go into the place of worship. But all those who come to him, Jesus heals them. He has authority. And they are healed and begin to break out in praise to God. The more that people praise him, the more angry, the spiritual religious leaders of the nation become as we look at this great story i think about how can we celebrate jesus and number 1 we celebrate jesus as king when we trust him and believe him amen in chapter number 21 look with me verse number 1 what did it say when they drew near to jerusalem and came to beth to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples. Now we don't know their names. The disciples just identify them as two. And they go into the village. He said, Go into the village in front of you. Immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you just say, well, The Lord has need of them, and that He will send them at once. And so the disciples, he sent these two. Now, I don't know their names, but you know, the thing about them is they believe Jesus. Now, isn't it a curious request that he says to them, hey, boys, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to this town right next door. And when you go into town, you're going to find two animals tied up. One is the mother and the other is the colt. And I want you to untie them and bring them to me. And if anybody has any questions, you tell them that the Lord has need of them. How many of you all think you might have a question involved in that request? But the disciples, we have no record that they argued with him, that they objected, that they disbelieved, but rather they believed and trusted him. Now, if someone would to say to you, if I said, hey, this is what I'd like for you to do. I would like for you to go to St. Jacob. And when you go into St. Jacob, you'll find a red sports car parked there. And if you don't mind, the keys will be inside. And just get on in and start it up and bring it to him if you don't mind. And if anybody asks any question, just say, hey, God needs this today. It sounds crazy, doesn't it? But they believed him. They trusted in Him. And they knew that if God, the Lord said it, that He had a plan and He could be trusted. And this is exactly right. The Lord asks you to trust Him. And what He asks us to do, we believe Him. And understand this, He will never ever ask us to do something that embarrasses or dishonors you in that way. And he says, if they ask, says the Lord has need of it." Mm-hmm. You know what? How many of y'all believe that Jesus can be trusted in what he asked you to do? I do too. There's an Old Testament story about a man who had to learn to trust in God. This man was a commanding officer of the Syrian army. His name, he worked for the king of Aram. He was a, a valiant soldier and a great military strategist and leader. And his name is Naaman. He was in Syria, but he had a problem. And the problem was he had, has leprosy and this skin disease ravaging his body. They had taken captive an Israelite girl and she worked for one of his wives as, as a uh, servant. And the Israelite girl said, Oh, if my master only lived in Israel because the man of God is there and the man of God could heal him. And Naaman told the king, and the king of Aram sent a note to the king of Israel and he said, listen, this is my servant, my commander, Nahum, uh, and, 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 and Naaman, and so I want you uh, to, to heal him. And he brings with him all kinds of money and resources and Naaman makes his way to Israel. And when the king hears it, he says, is he trying to start a war with me? I can't heal anybody, but... He tears his clo- clo- clothes and says, "Oh, disaster's coming!" But the man of God, Elisha, hears about the situation, and so he says, "Bring him to me." And Naaman, this commanding uh, general, comes to. He comes to the man of God, the prophet. And the prophet says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to the Jordan River, and I want you to submerge, baptize yourself in the Jordan seven times, and when you come out of the Jordan, you will be healed. And the man became angry, and Naaman says, there's no way, he says, in Damascus, in Syria, Aren't there much better rivers that aren't so muddy as the Jordan? And, and why did he ask me to just go dunk myself in water? I'm not going to do it. And he starts heading home. But one of his servants says to him, if he had asked you, O commander, to do a great thing, would you not have done it? But he asked you to obey. Will you not do it? And he's convicted by that and he stops and he goes to the Jordan and he baptizes himself seven times in the Jordan and miraculously his skin is healed to the glory of God. So he learned to obey the word of God and it brought life to him. God speaks to us about obeying his word. And these disciples believed what the Lord is asking us to do. Have you, have you trusted in him? Do you believe in him? Do you believe in your own heart? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he created you and made you? And that you're accountable, your life to God? Do you believe and confess that you need God in your life that you can't live independently of him? And do you acknowledge that he is pure and sovereign and right? And I am sinful and disobedient and rebellious in my own life. And do you believe that you've sinned against God? Because all of us have sinned. There's none of us righteous. No, not one and all we like sheep have gone astray and we've all turned our own way and and we all are dead in our trespasses and sin, And we have no hope without Him. Do you believe that if you confess your sin and turn from your sin and trust in Jesus Christ alone as your Savior, when you do that, when you repent of sin and be baptized as a confession of your faith and an act of trust, you will be saved. Have you trusted? Him? Are you obeying? Him? You see, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Notice with me in the book of Hebrews, chapter number one. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old receive their commendation. Verse six, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. Have you put your faith in Jesus? Number two, we celebrate Jesus not only when we have faith and trust, but obedience, when we obey the instruction of the Lord. I love this in Matthew 21, verse number six. And the disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They went and they did as Jesus instructed them. They obeyed the Lord. Faith shows itself in deeds by our works. Amen. Amen. We don't just say that we believe in Jesus. We show that we believe in Jesus by how we live our life. Faith shows itself by our works. James chapter 2, look with me, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if one says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Verse 26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Wow. Wow. So it is showing, faith showing itself in obedience. These disciples did. They not only believed, but they went and did exactly as Jesus said for them to do. Are you obeying Jesus in your life? That's the question. Are you obeying Him? Are you forsaking sin and repenting of sin? Are you believing the gospel? We've made a silly theological error that believe that our salvation is simp- only something that happened back once in a time. Well, I was saved back in 1976, and I repented in 1976. But I'm not repenting today. I'm not. Trusting in the gospel today. But I've got my fire insurance and I can live however I want. That is not right with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's obedience in your life. Forsaking sin. Trusting in Christ. Being scripturally baptized as a believer Obeying his word. Becoming a part of a community of faith, a church. You're not to be saved and then just be not disassociated with God's people. You're not to live away from the community of faith. You've been saved and grafted into God's family. Where there's life in this community of faith where you can use your gifts and serve Him and love all the people and grow in your walk with God. And the Lord has called you to tell your story in obedience about what Jesus Christ has done in your life. I had someone tell me this morning something awesome happened in my life. And it happened yesterday. And it's changed my life. It's His story. what about your story? Are you telling yours to others? Today, we're getting to share with one another. Many of us are having lunch with somebody today. Tell your story, if God gives you an opportunity. And listen to their story. And let's celebrate together in how God's working in our hearts and our lives. Amen? Amen. The gospel story is very simple, but it's very powerful. That God loves you. Man, he loves you. Tell your neighbor, God loves you. Tell him, really. He loves you. You need to be reminded. And then tell your neighbor this, sin kills you. It does. Sin's a killer. Sin kills us. Sin separates you. Sin, Sin destroys you. And it is destroying you. And sin disables you because you become so disabled you can't find your way back to God yourself. But God has made a provision for you. And there's only one, only one provision. And that's Jesus Christ Himself. There's only one way. And that's in Jesus. There's no other way but Him. He said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Peter preached there's salvation in none other but in Jesus. So you trust in him, and that's where you find life. Because he died your death, you deserve. And he lived the perfect life you could never live. And he defeated death, hell, and the grave. And he rose again, and only he can forgive you of all of your sins. And you must obey him. Trust him with your life. And so you get to tell your story about how Jesus changed yours. It's your story. We all have the same hero of the story. It's Jesus. But we all got there different ways, didn't we? And it's our story. Your story. Now, Jay's story is different than Tim's story. Right, Jay? Jay grew up in a different home than I grew up in. Different circumstances. Came to Christ at a different age than I came. But his story is still true. And so is mine. When we tell it with each other, there's power in the story. Amen? Tell your story. God's called you to tell it. You obey him when you tell it. And God is praised when you tell your story. Amen. Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? and Don't do what I tell you. If he's your Lord, obey him in your life. Amen. Amen. Some of you, there are several of you in this room today that need to follow the Lord in obedience in believer's baptism. And I'm asking you to obey God. And be baptized this month as we celebrate baptism together. Number three, when we surrender to Jesus. Most interesting story. So Mark chapter 11, verse 4, same story. It says, and they went away and they found a colt tied at the door outside of the street. And they untied it. And some of those standing there, owners of the animals... What are you doing, untying the colt? And so, verse number six, they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on them. Notice, they gave him permission. In chapter 19, verse 32, those who were sent away found it just as Jesus told them. And as they were untying the colt, the owner said, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they gave them permission. If the Lord needs it, you take them. They surrendered what they had, and they gave it to the Lord. Folks, when you give up your possessions, when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you bring honor and glory to him. And it helps bring praise among the people of God. They surrendered, and it fulfilled a greater purpose. And what was that greater purpose? A fulfillment of prophecy itself. Wow. In chapter 21, verse number 5. So say to the, this is fulfilled what was spoken of by the prophet. The beginning of verse 5 is from... Isaiah, say to the daughter of Zion, and then from Zechariah, behold your king is coming to you meek, humble, mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. This was prophesied years and years and years earlier by the prophets. And they saw a day that this would be fulfilled, and Jesus, Matthew, draws a line and he says those guys who got the colt and that brought it to Jesus and those that gave permission for it to be used were involved in the fulfillment of scripture. Wow. Can you imagine those guys that owned that donkey and colt? They would have never dreamed that their beast of burden would be a fulfillment of of the prophecy in Old Testament. Isn't that an amazing thought? It's thrilling. Now, can you imagine those animals, if they could talk to one another? Can donkeys talk? Oh, maybe they can. There's a story about that in the Old Testament, isn't there? Can you imagine one donkey saying to the other, who'd you give a lift to today? (laughs) I gave a lift to the king of glory. Woo hoo. How awesome would that be? Your obedience brings glory to God. A fulfillment of scripture. And they broke out in praise the people did. And they're praising the Lord and celebrating and in the, the Lord and all that He has done for them. Look with me to 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 2 Peter chapter 3. It says, Since these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. Peter says, when we obey and live for the Lord, now this is a mystery to me. In some way, we are hastening the coming again of Christ. I understand that day is fixed, and it is. I understand that God's carrying out His purpose and His design, and it is. But our obedience to God is also hurrying up the coming again of Christ. I don't know, understand, but both things are true. And I'm going to obey him and trust him in my life. Amen? Amen. So what is it that God wants you to surrender in your life, to yield to him? What is he asking you to give in your life to him? Surrender can be used for a greater purpose. Your obedience has an impact in eternity in ways that you can't see now. When the gospel is preached to all the nations, then the end will come. Let's take the good news of Christ. Let's be obedient. Let's share the gospel. Let's tell our story. Let's live a holy life. Let's obey God. And He will be glorified. Surrender what you have. Surrender your gifts. Surrender yourself to him and watch how God can use you. On the backside of Midian nowhere is a a shepherd by the name of Moses, a convicted man, a convict, a felon running away from the law. There, the Lord appears to him in a bush that's burning. You know the story. He says, Moses, cast off your shoes. You're on holy ground. And Moses then does, and the Lord speaks to him out of this bush. That would be a frightening moment, wouldn't it? And he says, I've heard the cries of my people in Israel, and I'm choosing you to go and set them free, that they might worship me and take, go to the land that I promised to your forefathers. Moses begins to object. He said, how could you use me? He, he, he says, who am I that you could use me? He said, I made you. I created you. He says, well, who are you? What's your name? The people are going to ask your name. I don't even know your name. He says, I am who I am. You tell them that's who I am. What if they don't believe me? He said, what have you got in your hand?" He said, well, it's a staff. This is my security. This is my protection. This is my weapon. This is my tool for shepherding. He said, throw it on the ground. So surrender it to me. He threw it on the ground. Guess what that thing turned into? A snake. A hissing snake. And guess what he says to do? Christy, I can't believe it. He said, pick it up. That would be an act of faith, wouldn't it? Christy hates snakes. Anybody else hate snakes here? Okay. How about poisonous snakes? Do you hate those? Pick it up by the what? Tail. I love it. There's an old singer, Jim, you remember Ken Meadamay that sings that song? And he said, in the middle of that song, he said, Lord, you haven't been here very long. <laughs> Lord, you know, you don't pick it up by the tail. But when he did, it became a staff again. And the staff of Moses becomes the rod of God, used powerfully in his ministry. These boys surrendered animals. They're used powerfully to help facilitate the fulfillment of Scripture. Here comes King Jesus. And King Jesus is welcoming their praise. And King Jesus is welcoming the symbolism. And this King is not coming on a steed. He's coming with meekness and humbleness. But He is Messiah. And He comes to reign in peace and to bring peace, and to change the world for eternity. Wow. Will you surrender? What is it that God's calling you to surrender in your life? And finally, we celebrate Jesus when we praise Jesus. In chapter 19, verse 36, And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road, And as he's drawing near already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God. Listen, with a what? Loud voice. Say it out loud with me. Loud voice. Say loud voice, real loud. Loud voice. Again. Loud voice. A loud voice. They're praising him and they're rejoicing for the mighty works that they had seen, the miracles, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he said, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. He said, "You think this is rough? They stop. a rock concert's breaking out.". <laughs> the people broke out and praised the God, yet people tried to stifle it. Chapter 21. Verse number 9 to 11, the crowds went before him and followed Hosanna, meaning Lord save, to the, the son of David. The son of David means Messiah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Praises. Lord save in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. Who is this? And they said, the prophet Jesus. The prophet Maybe it's the prophet in likeness of Moses. The prophet, Jesus, from Nazareth in Galilee. And they break out in praise to him. In verse number 14, chapter 21, notice inside the temple complex, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did. And the children... Young boys crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the Son of David. They were indignant. The religious leaders, the chief priests, scribes, Pharisees, they said, do you hear what they are saying? And Jesus said, yes, have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you've prepared praise for yourself. Jesus is saying I am Messiah and I am worthy of praise. Wow. And the religious leaders didn't miss it. This is who I am. They hated it. But Jesus is saying He is the Son of David, He is Messiah, He is Old Testament fulfilled, He is God in the flesh. And he is worthy of praise. Jesus embraces his identity and makes it known. And they hated him. Let me just say this when hate and insecurity fills your heart, listen close, praise is empty. Your song has no joy when you're all about you or hatred or insecurity. There's no joy in your life, no joy in your spirit, no joy in your song. And when your song has no joy, then the praise that others have and the joy that they exhibit to Jesus makes you secretly angry and resentful. Because you have no joy. And as others break out in praise, it just gets on your nerves. And it's an indication of what's wrong in your heart. But when praise fills your mouth and overflows from your heart, it brings joy in your spirit. It does. It brings hope beyond your circumstances when you start praising the Lord. One of the reasons I want to gather here on Sunday morning and praise God with my brothers and sisters, it gives me hope to face the rest of the week. I need it in my life. Some of you sit there, oh, I can't praise God. Well, there's something wrong in your heart. Just try to bless me. Come on, repent, man. Believe the gospel. Experience life. Praise and brings joy in your spirit. It brings strength in your life. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It brings order and priority into your life. Because you're not the Lord, He is. And so your praise is directed to one greater that transcends you, that's greater than you. And that gives me comfort that someone rules that's above me. So praise helps me understand that order in my life. And praise brings the presence of God in a real way. In your presence is fullness of joy, Rejoice in the Lord again. I say rejoice. Because God inhabits the praise of his people. Hey, God, he has done great things. Amen. It brings vitality to your life. It really does. Amen. This story is from many years ago in my life. I was a young man. God had blessed us has blessed us wonderfully with four children. The kids were all small, and uh, this probably event happened in the in the 1990s and we 're going to christie 's mom's and i don 't know why christie 's not in the car, but she wasn 't in the car that day and I had the four kids and i 'm traveling up toward Christie's mom and dad's and going up into McCoopin County near Bunker Hill. And I remember I was driving our old minivan, and it was a Dodge Chrysler minivan, and it, uh, the uh, engine was leaking oil, and so it, that car was smogging as we drove along the road. I was grouchy about something. Anybody ever been grouchy? And the kids had been on my nerves, and I was just kind of grouchy and driving down the road and had a grouchy look. Andy was sitting in his customary seat when Christy's not in the car right next to me, and then the next seat back was Brad by himself, and then all the way in the back were the two girls, Valerie and Lindsay, and they said, Dad, put on the music, so I put in a tape, and they were singing for the, children, the music that the children's choir was working on, and so they started singing. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom. A power and what a strength or love. Our God is an awesome God. And so I look in my rearview mirror and they're singing, both of them. That One of the girls didn't have any front teeth and the other girl was, had missing front teeth. And Lindsay and Val, two years between them, and they're like bopping back and forth, just singing our God is an awesome God at the top of their lungs. And I'm driving the car and it's smoking, and I'm grouchy, and I'm going, What is going on? And Andy's sitting next to me, looking at me like this. And so, and they said, Dad, you're not singing. Come on, sing. And I said, you our God is an awesome God. And so, Brad, you're not singing. Next thing I know, Brad's singing. So, Brad's singing, and the girls are singing. I said, Come on, and Andy, start singing. And find, Dad, you're not really singing. And I start singing. And all of a sudden, our God is an awesome God. And he reigns from heaven above. And all of a sudden, it was church in the van. Folks, you were made to praise him. You were made to praise Him. And when you praise Him, it changes your life. Father in heaven, I thank you for the truth of your word from this great story and help us to celebrate Jesus in our lives, to trust you, to believe in you to obey you, to surrender to you, and to praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand with me. Praise team, please, as you lead us in this song. Let the Lord have his way in your heart and your life today.